thank you very much, Alex. And uh, uh, those were really good days. Um, and we do remember, I still talk about our football days, Coinonia, funny enough, uh, every Tuesday I still play football. Uh, and a few of the old Coinonia guys are still there. We hobble a bit the next day, but uh, actually we're still doing it because we're connecting pe with people and trying to introduce them to Jesus. And uh, that's partially why I do it. In fact, that is really why I do it. Um, so I've got some things to help you. I might need some help. Just Ruth will do that, hand out a little card uh, with you. Just a little bit about Ruth is my wife. We have four children. I became a grandfather last year. Ruth became a granny. And uh, I know we don't look old enough, do we? Isn't that amazing? No. It's amazing. Uh, I'm considerably younger than Richard. Um, I also work with Gordon, believe it or not. And Gordon and I uh, uh, run a business together in Worcester. Uh, and so we have a lot of fun. There's a bit of stress involved. Uh, and there's, you know, maybe a couple of stories will come out about that. I'll, I'll try to embarrass Gordon as much as possible. Um, that's a little bit about me. We lead City Church in Worcester and have done for the last seven years. Uh, just back from a trip in, in New Zealand to see my sister. Uh, and it's interesting when you have time away to relax how God speaks to you. And so some of what I'm sharing comes out of some of the things that he was speaking to me over that time. So uh, hopefully you all have a card. Uh, and one of the things I was musing about in, in New Zealand is how do we really disciple people? Um, uh, if you haven't got a card, there, there are five or each. If you've got one, uh, we'll collect the money later. Uh, and uh, one, of the, one of the things... Uh, I think is really difficult to gauge is whether when we bring something on a Sunday, whether anybody actually does anything about it. Whether what we hear is applied in our life. Um, Matthew 7, right at the end, you'll know the, the, the story well of uh, the man who builds his house on sand is somebody who hears what God says and doesn't do anything about it. But the man who builds his house on the rock, hears what God says and does it. The two key discipleship questions that we have been kind of communicating to our church is this. What is God saying to you? And what are you doing about it? Not what are the church leaders doing about it. What, not what is your husband doing about it. Not is, what is your wife doing about it. What are you doing about what God is saying to you? And so this morning, you know, when we bring something, when I bring something, I've thought about what I'm bringing. I have prayed about it. I've asked God what you want to bring. Now, sometimes I get it wrong. I'm a human being. But in the midst of what I do know is that God lives in me. And so some of what I bring today will come from God. And your job is to grab those bits, leave the rest, but apply what he says to you 
in your life, in your context. So I've uh, got, a, you should have a little card with down the left, apply. So on the top, your A is apply. So you should have apply down the left-hand side and across the top. That's the first thing I want to say to you, is that it's really important that when we hear what God says to us, we apply it in our life. It's not just for fun. It's not just for a warm, fuzzy feeling that we get on a Sunday sometimes. Because sometimes we do, don't we? In worship, we get a sense of the presence of God and we walk out and we go, cool, that was good. Wasn't the worship good? Uh, I spoke on worship last Sunday and uh, one of the Greek words for worship is avodah, A-V-O-D-A-H. It means work as well. So I was challenging our church that when we go to work, it's worship. Isn't that amazing? When you go to work, see, we so associate worship with music. We forget it began in the garden. That's, this is not on my talk. This is just free bit that you get that I throw in. <laughs> so what's God saying to you? It's how we make disciples. Go teach them to obey what God is saying. I mean, I, I don't know what you're going to do with what I say after here. I don't know what your personal walk with God is like. You know, your intimate time when he speaks to you and says, because that's discipleship as well. You know, getting some space. The times when most of you will meet together in smaller groups and stuff like that, we probably gauge whether people listen and do stuff because we're in a smaller context. In your family home, you probably see whether your wife is following Jesus or your husband is following Jesus or whether your kids are following Jesus. My wife knows whether I'm following Jesus. My kids know whether I'm following Jesus. That's a bit easier. We don't really know on a Sunday. It's really difficult to gauge. Really difficult. Anyway, so apply what God says to you and do it. You're all wondering now what the P and the P and the L and the Y. See, I'm a bit all over the place when I talk, so I'm not going to go in order, which is fantastic. Gordon knows what I'm like at work. <laughs> and uh, hope, I'll, I'll share a few stories. It's interesting. Last week, one of the guys came into me at work. And he said, um, <clears throat> he said, Sim, asked me a really technical question on insurance. And I knew that I'd researched it. I, and I knew that in the past, I knew the answer. The problem was, I don't work, and we don't do a lot of work in that area. And, um, and that's the danger, isn't it? We get tons of information. And I had that information in me somewhere. And as soon as he went away and researched, he went, oh, yeah, that's what it is. I remember now. But because it wasn't part of my life, I'd received tons of information, but it's not been worked out. It's not embedded in me. It wasn't part of my complete understanding. And it's a bit like that in our Christian walk. We can have receive, I don't know how many messages you listen to in, in a year. I mean, if, you, if you're on the God channel and you listen, you know, you're, you've got the Bethel app, uh, and, or you've got whatever podcast you've got. It's so difficult to grab and apply and apply it to our life. But that's the most important thing we do. So if you get one thing from today, one thing, and apply it to your life, I'm going, come on. Come on. 
That's what we want to do is obey Jesus because he's really great. And he is my friend. And I love to introduce people to him. I want to read you a story from the Bible because I quite like the Bible. And you probably all carry Bibles with you, do you? Anybody that doesn't? You're not going to tell me. In, in City Church, they tell me. You know, somebody will stick their hand up and go, I don't, I haven't brought mine this week. And um, yeah, dob the parents in. That's what I like. Yeah. So uh, if you haven't done, uh, well, you're just really bad. <laughs> so uh, we're going to read Luke 19. Not the whole of it, uh, just a little bit of it. Then Zacchaeus. This story is about Zacchaeus. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. So he's walking uh, and passing through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was chief tax collector and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was but could not because he was short of stature. Maybe a bit taller than you, Jim, or shorter than you. It's all right, just saying. (laughs) So he was after, he ran ahead, climbed into a sycamore tree to see him for he was going to pass that way and Jesus came to that place he looked up and saw him and said Zacchaeus make haste come down for today I must stay at your house so he made haste and came down and, re- and uh, received him joyfully but when they saw it they all complained saying he was going to be a guest with a man who is a sinner oh that's pretty terrible isn't it then Jesus Stood and, uh, and then, sorry, Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, 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 I give half my goods to the poor. If I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. Jesus said to him today, salvation has come to this house because he uh, also is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Um, I make a few observations when I read the stories of Jesus. I just love the stories of Jesus. He absolutely fascinates me. So he's walking along and uh, he looks into the tree and this is Zacchaeus. I I wonder what Zacchaeus was thinking. I I think one of the first thoughts might be, how does he know my name? How did he know that? Where did he get that from? Um, I had a go at doing that in the streets. And just knelt by, beside a guy on the street. And uh, blew my sister away, really. Um, just gave him some money and uh, just said, hey, Dave. He said, how did you know my name? I said, well, I don't really, but I know Jesus. I know God, and it, it dropped into my head, so I just said it. If I'd have got it wrong, what would have happened? No, my, Dave's, my name's John, or something like that. And, and it, it wouldn't have been a problem, would it? But it wasn't. His name was Dave. And uh, it's easy to say. So I just said, you've got a lot of pain in your life, haven't you? Have you got a problem with your father? And he, he just tore off his head. Uh, tore his hat, not his head, because that would <laughs> that would have been weird, wouldn't it? Ah, alas, poor Yorick. Ah. Anyway, uh, he, he tore off his hat, and there he'd got burns all over his head. He said, "My dad left me in a fire." 
And I, I was just able to pray with him and point him to Jesus. Just in a street, just to go. You, you know, I'll tell you a story in a minute where I got it completely wrong, which is, which is brilliant in itself. But hey, and then he said this, which I love. I'm coming to your house to stay. Uh, when I grew up, um, brought up in a Christian family, we used to sing uh, a song about Zacchaeus. Uh, some of you may know it if you want to join in and bring the harmonies, that's great. And now, Zacchaeus was a very little man, and a very little man was he. He climbed up into a sycamore tree for the Savior he wanted to see, to see. And when the Savior passed that way, he looked into the tree and said, Now, Zacchaeus, you come down, for I'm coming to your house for no. He, that's what we sang. But he went to stay with him for a few days. He went, I'm coming to your house. I'm going to show you the gospel. I'm not going to just come for tea. I'm going to come and stay. And, and perhaps he even took a few of his mates with him, his disciples with him. Something really impacting about having somebody live in your house who shows you and demonstrates to God. I don't know whether you have people stay in your house. We, we, uh, we're without many people at the moment. After having four kids, we've had a few lodges, some good, some bad. Um, but they've been impacted by our household. Our kids have been impacted by the way we live. Sometimes you wonder, don't you? Um, you wonder how your kids are going to turn out. And if you're ever worried about your kids making bad choices... And, and, you know, I've been a rubbish parent. Listen to this. This is amazing. You'll love this. In Genesis, Adam and Eve, you'll find sinned and went away. They had the most amazing parents. What? And they just did their own thing. Doesn't that make it easier? God! Into so good, did he? Just kidding. All right, he's pretty good. But you know what I mean? That helps us a bit as parents, doesn't it? We think they should all make great choices. No. Part, part of it was... Anyway, our kids. One of our, one of our daughters is at university. You wonder if they catch something from me. And, uh, and uh, she phones us up one day and she says... Dad, Dad, I've just led uh, uh, my housemates to the Lord, uh, and uh, I'm discipling them. Now, now I'm in that, yeah, and you just go, wow. The, the next conversation, you know, and again, another call, I'm walking down the street, hi, Sarah. Uh, Dad, Dad, I've just had this conversation with this Hindu girl who's troubled. I, I think I want to cast a demon out of her. Um, uh, what do you think? Ooh, let's have a go. <laughs> Give it a shot. <laughs> if it doesn't work, pray and fast for a bit. Um, and then, then, then she phones me up. She says, Dad, Dad um, uh, I, right, everybody that I've targeted, she said, has now become a Christian. She said, I'm praying about who my next target is at university. 
That's why she called him Target. <laughs> That's what she's like. I'm going, wow, that, that girl is, is just on it. And she joined clubs in order to meet people. And uh, just incredible, isn't it? That's part of who we are that's been sewn in. And it's just fab, fab to watch. So when you're around people, they see what you're like. In Acts 16, you'll, uh, you'll see that Paul and Silas did the same thing. They get to um, Philippi. It's a great chapter, that chapter. And they go down to the river. They're just doing their normal stuff. And they meet Lydia. And they just, they lead her to Jesus. And um, I, I don't know how that happens. Uh, I kind of dream that it's, you know, Lydia's a seller of purple, and and uh, Paul is a tent maker. Perhaps they were doing business together, and she saw something, and and in the midst of it all, her and her whole household get saved. Um, I, I'm in business. I, I I love it. I love encountering people who don't know Jesus. I'll tell you a story. Um, we work with quite a number of people now. We did have less people, but we're growing. Uh, we're receiving a bit of God's favor, um, which we quite like. And um, <laughs> one of the guys has been really sick in our office, and it's concerned us. And um, he came in to my office before Christmas and uh, said, the doctors don't know what to do. I said, oh, shut the door. I said, uh, look, wait, the doctors don't know what to do. Uh, I, I know somebody who does. Uh, Shall we try something a little bit weird? And uh, he said, yeah, 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 all right. I said, look, you know, this is going to be a bit weird. Sit down. And uh, uh, he, he's got some sort of problem at the root of it. Nobody knows what the problem is at the moment. So I said, uh, we're going to ask Jesus, okay? And you're going to shut your eyes, and I'm going to shut your eyes, and Jesus is going to tell you what the root cause of this problem is, <laughs> okay? Uh, and, and we were talking about fear. So what's the root of the fear? He's just incredibly fearful chap. So uh, shuts his eyes, I shut my eyes. So I pray a very sensible, kind, short prayer inside. I'm going, come on, come on, God, you've got to do it. Don't make me look stupid. Anyway, it's true. That's what was going on. So I'm in my office. Gordon's in the other office. I've shut the door and you can still hear. So I'm wondering whether people are hearing. But anyway, so I leave it a few minutes and I open my eyes. It seemed like a few minutes, probably about 30 seconds, because you ever do that when you pray for somebody? You, you think it's a long time, and it's not. Anyway, I opened my eyes and said, uh, mm, so uh, anything? <laughs> no. Any picture, any thought, any memories that are coming to you? Nope. Nothing. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, so what do I do now? You know, Jesus was meant to have shown him. That's what I thought was going to happen. And nothing happened. So I just said, well, let me just pray. And I just prayed that God would somehow uh, bring some resolution and get to a place of breakthrough. Anyway, uh, 
he has had you know, a bit of a breakthrough in that they've now identified, they think, what is the root cause. He's been sent finally to a specialist in, in London and we're on a, he's on a journey of healing. Yes, it's the doctors that are helping him, but I think God uses doctors too. So I don't think it's a second-class healing. I still think God is right in the midst. And he's on a journey, you know, with me, doing freaky stuff to him in an office, on his way to Jesus. That's, that's what I believe. So, um, uh, so that's a bit about them. And, and then you read about Paul, and he ends up in prison, um, and Silas, and they start praising God in the midst of it. And then, and you're like, you'll know the story. Uh, the, the prison kind of falls apart, and they lead uh, the jailer and his whole household to the Lord. It's incredible, isn't it? So you find uh, Lydia and her whole household, and uh, the jailer and his whole household come to the Lord. Household is a different word. It's, in Greek, it's oikos. It's not just your family. It's uh, your associates. It's kind of like your extended family, including your business. So that's quite a lot of people, probably between 30 and 70. All right? So when that word oikos, household, is there, it means something different to what we're reading or what we think. So just think about that. So all your connections, what if? What if all your connections got all your friends, all your neighbours, all your work colleagues. That's what it's about. All of them get saved. That would be fascinating. Would all our employees, Gordon, wouldn't that be just fantastic? That's what we're after. I go to work. Do you know, I'm discipling them all the time. We are. They don't realise it. But we are. We disciple them every day. You know, one of them says to me, I said, can you just take a message? I mean, you know... Um, I, I'm in the middle of something. Uh, I need to finish this. I'll go back to the client. And then they go, oh, uh, something's out at the moment. And uh, put the phone down and go, I'm really sorry that I put you in a position where you thought you needed to lie. See, we don't do lies. Let's just tell them the truth. Because if we can, if you can lie for me, you can lie to me, and I don't want that. But I'm really sorry that I put you in a position that you thought you had to tell a lie. Let's just tell them the truth, and I'll win them back. How about that? Yeah. I'm discipling them. Let's be people of integrity. Let's do that. And uh, another quick story from the Bible. I love Jesus I love the stories. Mark 5, you will see that Jesus is wandering along. And um, in fact, Jairus comes to him, says, my daughter's dead, will you come? Will you come to my house? He says, yeah, all right then. Let's go. Let's do a bit of healing. I like a bit of raising the dead. And uh, that's my paraphrase. That's not actually in the Bible. And uh, he, he uh, is going along and a woman touches him. And he just gets interrupted from where he's going. And he decides to stop. 
and healing. See, I think our life is full of interruption. And uh, it's really important that we take notice of them and are prepared to be interrupted. Um, I normally walk a certain way to work and um, uh, for some reason I, I, I know what it was. I was walking with my daughter. She was having a bit of a troubled day and we, we just I thought I'll walk an extra hundred yards with her and go a different way. And, and I bumped into somebody in, in town on the way to work. And I'm not somebody who just goes, right, and walks on. You know that, don't you? And you know what's really interesting? You know how we nod as we walk past? In New Zealand, because they're upside down, <laughs> this, is, this is true, they go like this. <laughs> Absolutely true. When they see in the streets, like, all right. I thought, in the UK, we do that, right? <laughs> they do it the other way. Anyway, I went, all right, to this lad and stopped. And um, we just got engaged in a conversation with him. He's got some health problems. And I just said, hey, uh, why don't you have a sozo? I think that would be really helpful for you. Uh, because I think there are some things in your past that would really, you know, be really good for you. So um, just one of those encounters, and he's booked in for a sozo. I know you do sozo ministry here. Can I just say, it's amazing. I've got a lot of people in City Church, we've been running it for a whole number of years, really skeptical, pretty weird. You know, this is weird spiritual stuff. You know, I've had three sozos. They've been the most incredible encounters I've had with God in the last few years. I like encountering God. It does something to me. Just... I don't know whether many of you are getting one. It's amazing. Trust me, three. And I'll have another one. Because there's a lot of me to sort out. It's absolutely true. I've struggled with insecurities, you, you, you know, in my life in the last 12 months. And God has dealt with a number of them. You know, being a church leader is real tough. I absolutely mean it, because you're standing there thinking, am I really going the right way? Have I heard from God? Does God actually speak to me? You know, I, I jolly hope so. I'm really trying hard to hear from him. Anyway, so go have a so-so. So, you, you know, what I'm talking about there is being a lifestyle missionary. That's the L bit. So it's out of sync, lifestyle. You can write that down, lifestyle missionary. Got a pen? Yeah, good. See, I, I think it helps to make notes. If you don't, you'll forget it. You can put this index card at home. You'll remember me, uh, my fabulous humor. And um, yeah, lifestyle missionary. <laughs> you are a lifestyle missionary. How you live your life tells everybody what you're about. And Jesus was a lifestyle missionary. Paul was a lifestyle missionary. Uh, the woman who came up the front and talked about the well, one of my stories was going to be the well, but I talked for England and I haven't got much time left, so I won't tell you that. But the woman at the well is a classic example of encountering Jesus, going for a drink, going for a coffee, he went to the coffee shop, the cultural coffee shop. 
and his eyes were open for who he might encounter, who he might sit next to. He was a lifestyle missionary. I love this. I've been kind of soaking in this for a bit. I don't know which which version of the Bible you read. I I normally read the the New King James. Um, But I've been reading a bit of the Passion Translation. um, And I love this from uh, chapter 4 of Philippians. Don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Be saturated in prayer throughout each day, offering your faith-filled requests before God with overflowing gratitude. Tell him every detail of your life. Then God's wonderful peace that transcends human understanding will make the answers known to you through Christ Jesus. Saturate your day in prayer. Saturate your day. In prayer, often I, I'm, I go to work, I'm often just praying in tongues as I'm on the way to work. Or at lunchtime, I bumped into somebody else this lunchtime, um, nearly lunchtime last week. A young lad who's struggling with his faith. 18 years old, gone to get a job in, in London. And I just, oh, those aren't chance encounters. It's opportunity for me to ask him what he's doing with Jesus. gave me a great big hug. I love those supposedly chance God encounters, but they're really important. Saturate your day. Wigglesworth said, I don't pray for more than half an hour, but I never go for more than half an hour without praying. Saturate your day in prayer. In prayer. Paul said this, didn't he, in, in 1 Corinthians 11, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Be imitators of Christ. Be imitators of him. You know, so, so you know, I want people to look at me and go, I want to be like you, Sim. Why do I think I'm anything? No, I don't. But I want, I want to be more like Jesus. I want to be more like him when I'm at work. You know, and I'm not always brilliant at work. You, you know, it's true, isn't it? We're not always brilliant you know, Gordon's not always brilliant. But do you know what? We are seeking to imitate who Jesus is in our workplace. We really are. We want them all to love him. Right, Luke 10. So you've got that. Apply. Lifestyle missionaries. God, I haven't got much time. And the kids are coming back in. And I've got two letters to do. Oh, yes, read. I'm dyslexic. Uh, No, you can put prayer down if you want, though, but it isn't. Luke 10. Let's read Luke 10. I like Luke 10 because I think Jesus demonstrated this. Luke 10 is is what I think. What I think is Jesus, one of Jesus' strategies for evangelism. Sends the 70 out. Uh, and he says, uh, we'll have to skip a couple of verses. Verse 3, go your way. So this is the 70. He's sending them out two by two. Go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs amongst wolves. Carry neither money, bag, knapsack, nor sandals. Uh, and greet no one along the road. 
Timothy. He's disagreeing with me. I, I often beat people. And, but whatever house you enter, first say to this house, if there is a son of peace, uh, or a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it. If not, it will return to you. And remain in that same house, eating and drinking such things as they give, for the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not go from house to house. See, Jehovah's Witnesses have got it wrong. It says here, and you can point them to this, do not go from house to house. Breaching the Bible again. <laughs> Whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat such things as they're set before you and heal the sick and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whatever city you enter and they do not receive you, go out to the streets, shake the dust off your feet, and, um, uh, and it will be more tolerable uh, for, them, uh, for, for Sodom. Cool, that's a bit freaky, isn't it? Um, anyway, just some real key, key things there. One of the things that I've really looked for is for people of peace. So your two Ps are people of peace. You're getting this, aren't you? Writing down Luke 10, people of peace. People that, it says they will listen to you, receive you, will feed you, will give things to you. You know, sometimes as Christians, we think we should do all the giving. We're the nice people. You know, my, my next door neighbor died last year, and, um, and he was... At 81, 82. When we arrived 27 years ago, uh, I'm having to get up ladders. I'm slightly afraid of heights and, and do the fascias, rub them down and paint them. He gets his ladders out, comes up next to me and starts helping at 65 years old. I'm like, I, I should be helping him. You know, last year in the summer, our washing line, our whirly gig thing, uh, fell over. It rotted. So I had to put a new one up in the, uh, in the garden. There's me, my son Paul, who's, what, 19, and my son-in-law, Matt, who's 26, in the garden. And we're digging a hole. My neighbor comes out, what are you doing? What are you doing? And uh, he said, we're, we're putting a washing line in. Don't wait, I'll get my tools. He's round. He's there, no, you're doing it wrong. He's pushing us out the way. He's down on his hands and knees, smashing rocks. You need, a, you need rocks. Have you got cement? Have you got this? No. So, anyway, it's, it was slightly annoying, but I just thought, you, you can't kick an 82-year-old, can you? Anyway, well, you can, but it might hurt him. Anyway, he's, he's there, and, and he's filled it with concrete, and he's helped us. At 82 years old. When, when he died, it was a bit of a shock. We, we all wept. But we were asked, I was asked, to say something at his funeral. And they allowed me right at the end to kind of pull up his hand. It was amazing. You know, he was a real person of peace. That gave me access into his whole community to speak something of the love of God at that funeral. They served us. I've always looked for people of peace at work who I work with, who will, who will serve me. We've learned to accept things from neighbors. As they, 
they like to give as well. We've got to be good recipients of things, not just good givers. Really important. There are real people of peace out there. You've got to keep your eyes and your ears open for people who will listen to you, receive you, because they'll open the door for you into areas that you currently have. So look for people of peace. You know, I found them in work. I found them in my community. And uh, I, I want to finish really in Romans. Romans 8, which we probably all love for many different reasons. Because <clears throat> I want to say something to kind of all of you, which is corporate, yeah, it's individual. And it's the why. You are the wraparound gospel. As my friend calls it, you are the Deus Concani. You are God with flesh on. You are God with meat on. It's a crazy thought, isn't it? That you and me carry the incredible presence of God. We carry God. We're God with flesh wrapped round. We're the power of God. When we walk out of here, you, you know, probably sometimes some of us need to stick our chests out and go, we've got something. My favorite film, or one of my favorites, is The Matrix. You, this is what I'm like. And, and you, you remember that scene, Neo, with uh, Morpheus, and um, he's got to choose the red pill or the blue pill. And he, he chooses the red pill, which is a great picture of, of the cross. And it takes him into this, into the matrix, and he suddenly understands what life is about. When I walk around town, I feel like I'm in the matrix. I walk down the street, and, and this is what I'm like. This is part of my world. I'm, I'm looking at everybody going, I wonder what God wants to say to them. I know something you don't know. I wish you knew what I knew. Do you realize what's going on in this world? That's, that's my world, all right? That's what happens to me down the street. My kids used to hate coming down into town with me because I just know lots of people, and I will stop and talk to people. I used to hate it, but it's my world. That's what happened. That's what goes on in my head. So when I'm in town, I'm looking and I'm wondering and I'll stop and I'll, I'll give the homeless person some money. Do, do I care whether they, yeah, I don't want them to spend it on drugs, but you know what? Some, sometimes they're in so much pain, there's nothing else but dogs. I'm not saying it's right. Just know that they have a choice like Adam and Eve had a choice and we had a choice. And, and they choose to spend it, that's their choice. I just want to choose to love them in that moment. That's the way I do it. You don't have to do it that way. You can do whatever you want. Anyway, this is what you've got. When the spirit of God empowers your life, you are not dominated by the flesh, but by the spirit. This is Romans 8. 
Now Christ lives his life in you. And even though your body may be dead because of the effects of sin, his life-giving spirit imparts life to you because you are fully accepted by God. Yes, God raised Jesus to life. And since God's spirit of resurrection life lives in you, he will also raise your dying body to life by the same spirit that breathes life into you. You guys carry the spirit of God. You are the gospel, the wraparound gospel. You and us together, you know, we are churches together. We're people together that want to bring Jesus, the gospel to the streets of of Worcester, aren't we? We want to fill the streets with the teachings of Jesus, just like they were accused of doing. That's our job. We are to carry carriers of the gospel into our streets, into our city, into our jobs, into our community. Sorry for going on. Um, but I hope you catch some of the heart that, uh, that I carry, that we carry. We, we have a great relationship. We spent some time with your leaders a couple of Tuesdays ago, praying and prophesying into each other. And we just, we love each other. We know that we're in it together. Why don't we just pray? Father, thank you for speaking to us this morning. Thank you that um, you make discipleship voluntary. We can choose. We love the fact that we can choose because our heart's desire is to choose you again and again and again. Thank you, Lord. But today you've reminded us that you've placed your spirit inside us. We're not alone. Thank you, God, that we can take risks with people because you really love people and that you're with us when we take those risks. Lord, we want to be risk takers for you. We want to see healings on the street. We want to see many, many souls one for you. And we pray that you will impart something to us this morning of of your power, your authority, and your gift of witnessing again. Amen. Amen.